she would hear my car drive up the driveway, the place where I kept her, and she would turn and she'd walk away. I'd like to start by paying my respects to the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is made, the Pindurup people, and to acknowledge their continuing connection to land, waters and community. I pay my respects to them and their culture and honour their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to episode two of My Horse Taught Me That, the podcast all about equine behavior, horse-human relationships and training concepts that not only help you build an amazing relationship with your horse, but also with the other animals and people in your life too. I'm your host, Sarah Jackson from Equestrian Balance, and I'm an equine behavior geek. I'm going to teach you how to get the behavior that you want whilst also building the relationship that you want with your horse. This episode is all about emotional association. A while ago, I was at my mum's house and there was a bunch of us there. We just had a delicious meal and my sister and I were sitting chatting on the couch. It was a lovely evening and my mum was in the kitchen making tea and suddenly she called out my name. She said, Sarah, and immediately... I have this completely unexpected feeling of dread, really surprising, really unexpected. Before she'd even completed her sentence, I didn't know what was coming next. Can you take the bins out, please? You see, when my sister and I were growing up, my mum quite reasonably (laughs) got us to participate in the jobs around the house. Nothing too strenuous, things like vacuuming or putting out the washing feeding the cat, those sorts of things. And whenever she asked me to do something, she would say my name in this very specific tone of voice. And so I didn't realise it at the time, but my brain was learning that when mum says your name in this very specific tone of voice, Sarah, what was about to follow was going to be a job. It was going to be something that's probably a bit boring to do and it's going to interrupt whatever fun thing you're currently doing. So a bit of a double whammy. No wonder I found it unpleasant. So my brain made this association between hearing my name called in this certain tone of voice and something unpleasant following it. So, So that hearing my name in that tone of voice became the predictor of something unpleasant. It wasn't even that unpleasant really, but it was relatively unpleasant what was going on at the time. Now, I adore my mum. She's such a generous person with a gorgeous, quirky sense of humour and we've always been close. So I think it's really interesting that this association developed because it indicates how easily it can happen and how strong the association can be because fast forward 20 years, I haven't heard my name called in that same tone of voice for a long time. I'm not sure why mum chose to use it in that moment. Perhaps she was just trying to get my attention. But nowadays, I'm more than happy to help her out. Those really unexpected feelings of dread happened before I even knew what she was about to ask and happened in spite of the fact that right now, I want to be able to help her do things around the house. So what's going on? 
Well, the answer is that it's all about that emotional association that was developed and stored in my brain from two decades prior being triggered. So today I want to talk about how horses can develop emotional associations and how that can lead to them trying to avoid certain situations when there's an unpleasant emotional association and also how we can flip it so we can help our horse to develop pleasurable emotional association with different situations that we want them to participate in. It's a curious thing. Most people don't realize, but our brain is making associations all of the time. We link circumstances with people, smells with locations, people with emotions. And these associations are strongest when emotions are involved. And the stronger the emotion, the stronger the association that gets developed. And we can have a pleasurable emotion associated like joy or love. And we can have an unpleasant emotional association like anger or fear. And whatever emotion that we experience at the time that we experience a situation becomes part of the memory of that situation. And so when we think of that situation or experience, we also re-experience the emotion of it. That's why when my brain was triggered from the previous memory, even though it wasn't even a conscious memory of my mum saying my name in that certain way, I felt the emotion of dread just suddenly out of nowhere and it was really surprising. But you might have experienced this in your own life. For example, things like getting called into your boss's office might fill you with dread if last time you got called into the boss's office you were in trouble and it was an unpleasant experience then this time even though you don't know what they're going to say if they call you into their office you're likely to start feeling those emotions of dread or worry before you even go into the boss's office and find out what they have to say on the flip side If your phone rings and you see your friend's name flash up on your phone, you're likely to experience feelings of joy and happiness because you're anticipating speaking to your friend, which is something that you find pleasurable. What's important to recognize about both of these examples is that it's the thing that predicts the outcome that triggers the emotional experience. So let me break that down. So the thing that predicts the outcome, so you see your friend's name flash up on the phone that predicts your emotional experience. So you start to feel happy before you even answer that phone and get to talk to your friend. So the predictor of the pleasurable experience starts to make you feel happy already. When your boss asks you to come into the office, that's the predictor. You start to feel worried. You start to feel a bit of dread, a a bit of fear about that experience before you have the experience of actually being in their office and hearing what they have to say. That emotional piece comes in between, if you like, and that's really important. Let's look at a horse example now. Let's say that we get a new horse and we just turn up every day and feed it for a while. We don't do anything else. Now, initially, us turning up to feed the horse, you know, that act of us driving in the driveway and getting out and rummaging around in the feed shed isn't going to mean anything to the horse. 
But pretty soon the horse is going to learn that our appearance reliably predicts the pleasurable experience of eating food. And they're going to see us coming and then they're going to start to behave in ways that we can interpret that they're feeling excited or they're feeling happy. So we're likely to see them come running when they see us because our appearance predicts a pleasurable experience for the horse. On the other hand, if we predict hard training sessions in a poorly fitted saddle that's causing pain, then pretty soon the opposite is going to occur. And our appearance is going to send our horse running in the opposite direction or otherwise trying to avoid being caught because we have become the predictor of unpleasant feelings or pain. So it's important to remember that if this is happening to you, if your horse is difficult to catch, then it's not about you personally. It's about how the thing that you predict makes the horse feel. So if you're predicting hard training sessions or painful training sessions, it's about how that makes the horse feel. That's what's driving their behavior. This exact situation happened to me with my first horse, Misty. We had 23 odd years together. And for some of that time, she would hear my car drive up the driveway, the place where I kept her. And she would turn and she'd walk away. She knew my car. She knew that that predicted being ridden. And I didn't realize it at the time, but she had an injury in her mouth. So being ridden with a bit in her mouth was causing her pain. And so my car turning up was a reliable predictor of her experiencing pain from being ridden with a bit. She wasn't avoiding me because it was me. She was avoiding the experience of being ridden and the experience of having pain in her mouth. So what I ended up doing was spelling her out and that gave her time for her mouth to heal. When she came back, I started riding her very differently with a much lighter aid and our relationship completely transformed and she turned into a horse who saw me take the saddle out and came up to participate in being ridden. So what does all this have to do with relationships? Well, how our horses feel about their experiences with us is going to start to shape their opinion of us and their opinion about whether they would like to spend time with us or rather avoid us is going to be absolutely key to our relationship with them and our experience of that relationship as well. So the good news is that we can always do something to change an emotional association that our horse might have about an object or situation or with us and make it more and more of a pleasurable association. The key to building a great relationship with anyone is to set the scene for them to create an overall pleasurable experience of being with us. Think about your best friend, why you enjoy hanging out with your best friend. It's likely that they make you laugh, that you talk about things that you both enjoy, that you have some history of crazy shenanigans together that you can relive and laugh about, that they really listen to you, they get you and you really listen to them and you're there as a support for each other when things get difficult and that that brings you both pleasure. I'm sure you can add to this list but you get the idea that being with our friends brings us pleasure 
and we enjoy it because of that fact. We enjoy being out with our friends because we enjoy them and their company. And inside our brains, what happens is that thoughts of our friends become linked with happiness and feelings of safety. So the million dollar question, how can we get this pleasurable association to happen inside our horse's brain when they're with us? How can we get our horse enjoying our company and seeking us out? Well, the easiest way to do it is to be the predictor of things that they like. So your job now is going to be to figure out what it is that your horse especially enjoys doing. Now, ideally, these are going to be things that we enjoy doing too, because then that's mutually enjoyable for the both of us. But if we're really wanting to try and turn the corner with our horse, then we just want to focus on things that they enjoy in the first instance. So it could be letting them graze the fresh green grass by the side of the driveway, assuming they're allowed to eat grass. It could be giving them a carrot after catching them taking them out to explore the trails with another horse friend, giving them a hay net in the sun while you share a lovely grooming session together if they enjoy grooming or scratching them in their really favourite itchy spot, really listening to their body language when you're doing that grooming session or that scratching session and avoiding the areas that they're not so keen on and doing more as much as possible in the areas that they really like. You could try creating a snuffle box for them to enjoy. A snuffle box is essentially a box full of really tasty goodies that are all mixed together that they have to literally snuffle through and find and figure out what they want to eat and and what they don't. But there's lots of different tastes and smells in there for them to enjoy. Hanging out together while you meditate or just breathing together really calmly. It could be just as simple as being really calm in yourself and moving really slowly when you're around your horse. Being predictable, doing things in the same order each time so the horse knows what's coming. You could try some positive reinforcement training with your horse. The positive reinforcement training is a great way to get your horse to cooperate willingly with training and it can be great fun for both you and your horse. Now please don't worry or be surprised that a lot of my suggestions involve food. Horses really enjoy food and they are actually designed to spend 16 to 18 hours of their day eating. So it's a really strong biological drive for them to be eating. And it's a pleasurable experience for them. And also it can be a calming experience for them. So that can work in your favor if you're wanting to create a calm, pleasurable experience for your horse. Obviously, there's going to be times when things go pear-shaped or you need to do things with your horse that your horse is going to find unpleasant. Perhaps there's an emergency or there's some kind of veterinary procedure that they need to have. And that's okay. It's not going to damage your relationship with your horse for your horse to experience those unpleasant things. As long as there's enough pleasurable experiences with you to kind of balance it out, if you like. If you imagine your relationship with your horse like an emotional bank account. We want to put lots and lots of pleasurable deposits into that bank account. So on the occasions where we need to make a withdrawal, where there's things that are out of our control that happen, that we just kind of have to deal with at the time, 
and that our, our horse might find unpleasant, then they're not going to bankrupt our account because we've got enough deposits in that account that we're going to be able to make that withdrawal and still have some balance in the account there. We're still going to have that overall positive emotional experience of being with you. If you think back to my example of my mum calling my name in a certain way, you know, that experience of having that unpleasant association, whilst it is associated with my mum, if we think about our relationship as a bank account, we've both put so many deposits in that bank account over the years that our relationship is really strong and really beautiful and that this one little negative association is something nothing in regards to our relationship and that's that's really how you kind of want to have it if you can with your horse obviously we get a lot less time to spend with our horses but overall we want our horses experience of being with us to be as pleasurable as possible so the flip side of that is that we also want to limit those withdrawals as much as possible we want to kind of keep any withdrawals to those situations that we really are out of our control, the thing, the unexpected things that happen or the emergencies that happen or the veterinary things that happen. We need to keep that buffer in for them. So as in day to day, we want to kind of limit the withdrawals that we're making on that emotional bank account as much as possible. So how do we do that? What kinds of things are going to be withdrawals on our emotional bank account? Well, Anything that causes your horse pain is going to be making a withdrawal on that bank account. So things like an ill-fitting saddle or any underlying pain issues, pain in the mouth like my horse had, if you're feeling that your relationship with your horse isn't as good as it could be, it's always a good idea to just double check that there's no pain in the equation and get a really good, really thorough vet check and we can at least rule out the really common ones, so back pain, mouth pain, pain from ulcers, any underlying lameness issue or chronic condition that is associated with some sort of pain in their body. But we also want to remember that our horse's skin is really sensitive. It's much more sensitive than our skin. So things like striking the horse with a whip or a rope or popping the lead can be quite painful for a horse. And so these are things that we want to avoid. We also want to be aware that some extreme training techniques or gadgets that restrict a horse's range of motion can cause pain. Other things that we want to avoid would be anything that frightens the horse. So putting them into a situation that they're not prepared for. Some types of desensitization training where they're exposed to the full intensity immediately can be very frightening for a horse being separated from their bonded companions or from any horses at all. So being completely isolated away from horses can be very scary for horses or being confined in a small area. So whether that's a stable or a horse float can be frightening. Now, this is obviously not an exhaustive list of things that might frighten a horse. And they might not frighten every horse. In fact, a lot of these things we can train our horses to calmly accept and to learn that these situations are safe. But a lot of horses don't receive that training and just putting them in those situations, expecting them to be okay, can result in things being very not okay. So if our horse is avoiding being caught or doing any big kind of 
what I call red light behaviors, big scary behaviors, rearing, bucking, kicking, biting, those sorts of things, then it really is worth asking the question, is pain or fear involved and addressing it removing that fear or pain from the equation. Obviously, we want to eliminate fear and pain from their life as much as we can, both to keep our emotional bank account in the black, but also for their own welfare. We care about our horses. We love our horses. We don't want to think that they're experiencing fear or pain. But I get that it can be really hard to do. You know, the source of pain can be really hard to find. It can be really hard to diagnose. And it can also just be really difficult. We can find ourselves with a lot of pressure just to get on with it and potentially overface our horses and potentially end up with a fear response from our horses. Most of us are taught to handle our horses with a liberal amount of lead popping or striking with the whip rope or a hand if the horse misbehaves and this can be really hard to unlearn even with the best of intentions it's literally taken me years to control my impulse to react in this way because that was how I was taught early on you know I needed time to learn what to do instead and then I needed time to control my own impulse to react whenever I got triggered whenever I was frightened or frustrated. So go easy on yourself, please. Eliminate what you can right away and make a plan on how you can investigate and reduce and remove as much as possible anything else in your horse's life that might be causing fear or pain. Remember, this is all about how your horse experiences time with you. We want to be the predictor of calm, pleasurable experiences for your horse. And for that to be the overall experience that they have, there's going to be times where things go pear-shaped and stuff happens that we have to deal with that, you know, perhaps we're not quite prepared for, that we're going to make withdrawals on that bank account. But overall, we want to have enough pleasurable experiences in that bank account that our horse's overall impression of us is one of pleasurable, calm experiences. So we want to be the predictor of calm, enjoyable times for your horse. So my challenge for you is to figure out what your horse really enjoys and to do more of that with them. Now, they're all individuals like us and you know your horse best. So my list is a place to start, but get creative and explore what your horse might enjoy doing together with you. Watch their body language and see what your horse says. Do they enjoy it? Do they not enjoy it? If your horse wants to keep doing it, the chances are high that they probably are enjoying it. If you try something and it doesn't work out, that's okay. Just stop and mix it up, try something else or put them away and have a think about why that might have been the case and what you might try next time. If you're currently driving or, you know, you didn't take notes earlier when I gave you the list of things that you could try with your horse, then head to www.equestrianbalance.com.au forward slash love to get my checklist of 11 ways to get your horse to love you, which will refresh your memory on ways 
that you can build pleasurable associations with your horse and some things that you can do together. So to wrap up, I just like to reiterate some of the points we've discussed. So firstly, one of the things our amazing brains does is make associations between an emotion and an experience or an element in the environment, uh, like an object or a person. And these associations are especially strong when the emotions are strong. Secondly, the key to building a great relationship with your horse is to create pleasurable emotional associations in your horse when they're around you. And the easiest way to do that is to be the predictor of things that your horse enjoys doing. Thirdly, we want to make sure as much as possible that our horse doesn't experience fear or pain when they're with us. Fourthly, think of our horse's relationship with us like a bank account. The more deposits of pleasurable experiences that we put into that bank account, the more that bank account is going to be able to handle the occasional large withdrawal when there's some kind of unexpected event or emergency or veterinary situation that your horse has to experience that's going to be unpleasant. And lastly, just remember that this stuff applies to every relationship not just the one with your horse. So if there's any other relationships that you'd really like to improve, think about how you can build pleasurable experiences into your time together with that person or that other animal that are going to help to build that relationship. Well, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me for what has been episode two of My Horse Taught Me That podcast. I look forward to coming to your eardrums soon with episode three, where we'll talk more about equine behavior, horse-human relationships, and training concepts that not only help you build an amazing relationship with your horse, but also with other animals and people in your life too. If you have enjoyed this episode or found the information valuable, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. But more importantly, please don't keep it to yourself. Share it with your friends and help me share it with the world by leaving a five-star rating or review. It really helps other people to find the podcast too. If you're longing to build an amazing relationship with your horse, and you'd like a checklist of ideas on how to get your horse to love being with you, then I've got you covered. Head on over to www.equestrianbalance.com.au forward slash love to get your free copy. There's also a load of other free resources that you can access from my website that you might want to check out whilst you're there. Lastly, a big thank you to Music Unlimited for our groovy soundtrack.